0: Hi everyone, good to see you. Welcome everybody at home. Hope you're having a great morning. Yes, filling in for Sarah today. Um, Actually, this this is going to be my eighth sermon I've preached since last Sunday. So, here we go. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you'll send the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. And we invite you in Jesus' name to come to us. This morning, we pray as we listen to your word that you will renew and transform our minds. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll open our hearts that we may understand the things that you've called called us to and created us for. And we pray that you'll deposit the gift of faith and understanding in us. And we are saying here today, Lord, we pray that you'll speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, on July the 20th, 1969, I was seven years old, and my parents uh, allowed me to stay up late, very late, to watch the TV. And it was the first man walking on the moon. And millions of people, and as I watched it with my parents all around the world at the same time, heard as Neil Armstrong stepped out of the spaceship, so to speak onto the moon and say these words, that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. And in that moment, as Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, for millions of people around the world, the impossible became possible. Because up to that point in time, the thought of a man walking on the moon and going to the moon and walking on it was an impossible dream. It was, it was beyond the stretch of human experience, and that's why mankind wanted to do it. They wanted to reach into the impossibility. And in that moment, people's minds were changed about what mankind could actually do, the potential that we have as human beings. The power of the mind as we begin to believe for impossibilities. When Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, I think it was in May 1957. My facts might be a little bit wrong, but it was in the 1950s. Up to that point in time, for, some, for thousands of years, people had been trying to run a mile in under four minutes, and they couldn't do it. And people were coming to the conclusion that it was was physically impossible, so the aerodynamics and the shape of the human skeleton, the body and the movement just made it impossible. And then one day, one afternoon in Harrogate, Roger Bannister recorded on TV before the watching world broke the four-minute mile record. And whilst it had taken thousands of years of trying to achieve that, that year many, 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 many people all over the world smashed the record. Why did it take, it was something like 2,000, 3,000 years for somebody to break the record, and then within a year it was smashed completely, time and time again? Why? Because the mind of what a human being can do. Because the mind of possibility was changed, that changed everything. And I'd like to read a passage of Scripture this morning that if we understand this passage of Scripture, just like Neil Armstrong walking on the, ro- on the moon, just like Roger Bannister smashing the four-minute mile, if we understand truly the passage of this Scripture, It will transform everything for you and take you into the realm of impossibilities. And what you thought was impossible for you and your life can become probable and a reality for you. So let's read it together. Immediately, Matthew 4 we're Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boats, the wind died down, And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. What is the significance of this short passage of scripture? Well, the significance of it is that it involves fishermen, ordinary everyday people. We see a miracle that ordinary everyday people can perform. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was the first person to walk on water. 2,000 years ago, Peter was the second. And why is that significant? But just as Neil Armstrong says, this is a small step for man, um, a man, but a giant step for mankind, because from now, mankind could leap into a new realm of probabilities and possibilities. And just as Roger Bannister smashed the four-minute-mile record that took 3,000 people years to do, and people said it could not be done, and then within a year, so many people moved into the realm of probability and, imposs- and impossibility through beginning to run in that level of time and speed. Jesus walked on water, fully God, but as a man, demonstrating what man can can do, and and Peter, through trusting in Christ and seeing what a man can do, although he was fully God, followed suit to demonstrate what you and I can do. We can move and walk into the impossibility. Now, many people will say, oh, when Jesus calming the storm and walking on the water, that was a sign of his divinity. Well, he certainly was fully God. That's true. But let me say this. It wasn't an exclusive sign of his divinity. Because if Jesus walking on the water was an exclusive sign of his divinity, what was Peter walking on the water all about? Because he was a human being and he did what Jesus did. So this story demonstrates to us what is impossible what sorry what is probable and possible for human beings and what we up to this point in time considered humanly to be impossible now because a human being has done it becomes possible if we allow our minds to be transformed so that our minds can be transformed and we are not limited by impossibility, but we are released through possibility. That's what this lesson is all about. Now, bearing in mind what built up to this is that Jesus had just spent three years with the disciples performing miracles, and every time he performed a miracle, nearly, he used it as a, uh, an object lesson to teach people what is possible because now the kingdom of God and the rule of God and the presence and power of heaven has come to us through Jesus Christ. And I've, you've heard me say this many, many, many times. When Jesus came out of the wilderness preaching the kingdom of God is hand, he precursed it with saying, repent, the kingdom of God is hand. And the Greek word for repent, repent basically means just change the way you're thinking. Change the way you think. Because there is a new rule, there's a new order, there's a new power at hand, and it is within your reach. And if you change the way you think, you can reach out and take this. You can touch it. It's within your grasp. And if you think differently and you therefore grasp hold of it, you can live differently and everything can change. And Jesus says, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe that the kingdom of God is at hand, watch what I do. As a human being, yes, who is fully God, but what, look what I do in flesh and blood to demonstrate what can happen with flesh and blood people living under a new order, living with a new mindset, living under a new government, living with a new paradigm. Watch what I can do. And he raised the dead and healed the sick and opened the eyes of the blind and the mute talked and the deaf heard and the lepers were cleansed. And this miracle of walking on the water came on the back of Jesus teaching an incredible lesson to the disciples through feeding the five thousand. So Jesus was teaching five thousand people, men alone. So we're talking about five thousand people, plus women, plus children. I mean, we're talking a lot of people. And they'd been teaching. At the end of the day, they hadn't. They hadn't eaten. In fact, they hadn't eaten for three days, and. Philip came up to them and said, send these people home, Jesus, because, you know, they they haven't eaten and they're going to get weary and faint. And Jesus turns around and says to Philip, you feed them. And he's provoking him. And Philip and the disciples, because they probably were all listening to this, you feed them. And Philip says, well, how can we feed them? This will take more than a year's wages to feed this number of people. Now, that's a lot of people, because you remember, they're just going to try and make a year's wages for one meal. This this is a year's wages for one meal. It's a lot of people, he says, you feed them. He says, we can't, we haven't got that money, and there's no shops around here. And he says, no, I want you to do it. He says, but we can't do it. There's no shops, we don't have... No, I want you to do the impossible. I want you to do the impossible because I have come. That you may expand your thinking, change your mind to advance into the realm of the impossible of a human being because that's what you're created for. We'll just discuss that in, the, in a moment. And can you imagine and Philip says, Well, what have you, Jesus says, Well, what have you got? I've got a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. Well, bring me what you've got. And so they brought him just a bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And he blessed it. And he put the bread and the fish, he broke it and breast it. And he put, it's like, I think it was five fish and five logos. I mean, it was very, you know, it was very small. And he put it, a tiny amount, into the hands of the disciples. And as they actually went out and distributed it from their own hands, they fed more than 5,000 people from their own hands. You see, who did the miracle? It was the disciples. Jesus blessed, broke it, but they were the ones who did the miracle as they distributed the bread. Can you imagine how pumped they must have been? Can you imagine how their minds must have been enlarged and expanded? The realm of possibility. Look what happened through our own hands. And it was just by bringing who they were and what they had. And often when we look at big miracles, we say, oh, that's too far. I can't attain to that. No, you start by bringing who you are and what you have. And then stepping out which is a small step, a small step for mankind, leading you to a big step. Now, when Jesus walked on the water, they're all in the boat. This is probably no more than, I don't know, this is an estimate, but let's, I wouldn't have think it would be more than eight hours after this experience, because immediately he got them into the boat, when, and he, Jesus dismissed the crowd after they'd been fed. So it might be eight hours max, maybe less. But this is now ringing in their minds. And then they see Jesus walking on the water. And they're so pumped and so full of confidence. Excuse me, my iPad's just gone off. They're so full of confidence. Right off the back of that, right off the back of that fresh experience... Peter says, if this is you, Lord, walking on the water, just say the word and let me come. And Jesus says, come, Peter. And Peter did something that was humanly impossible. He walked on the water just like Jesus. Because his mind... Was in this process of transformation, his understanding of what is possible for a human being. He did what Jesus did. And this is the point He did what Jesus did. Okay, why did Jesus come to this earth? He came to show us what God was like. He says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus' form. It says in the book of Hebrews that he's the exact representation of the Father's radiance. Jesus shows us what God is like. He who has seen me has seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. That's what Jesus, So he came to show us what God is like. And everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did and all the ways that he did and and the movements and the nuances of heart and spirit fully and exactly represent what God is like. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know the will of the Father? Look at what Jesus did. So that's the first thing. The second thing is Jesus, who is God, became a man so that he would die upon the cross as a man Look taking on the form of sinful human beings in in the flesh, but without sin, dying on the cross as our substitute. So he who knew no sin, never sinned, died for our sins. So if we put our faith in him, we can receive his forgiveness and his righteousness. So he took on our sin. So as we trust in him and follow him, we receive his righteousness. It's a trade. So he came to be our substitute. And if you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus and asked him to forgive you and turn your life over to him in faith I would encourage you to do so because in that moment you become as righteousness righteous as Jesus forgiven even though we're the ones that messed up and Jesus died upon the cross for us and you can know forgiveness and a place in heaven, and a relationship with God, because Jesus died to give it to you. So he came to show us what God was like. He came to be our substitute. But also, he came to be an example as a human being. God became a human being to be an example of how human beings can live and to show us what human beings can do. And that is to live in the realm of the miraculous and to rule and reign in the kingdom of God, which is a heavenly, miraculous, not earthbound, mankind-limited kingdom. In Psalm 8, it says this, What is man, O Lord, that you are mindful of him, that you have created him a little lower than the angels, and yet you have placed all things under his feet. When it speaks about something being placed under your feet, it means that you have authority and rulership over it. God has given authority and rulership to mankind. When he created Adam and Eve, he said, let them rule in our likeness. Let them Make them in our likeness and let them rule. What is man that you are mindful of him, that you place everything under his feet? And Peter was learning to understand this. When Peter walked on the water, where was the water? Under his feet. The law of physics says if a man walks on water, he'll sink. The law of the kingdom says if a man walks on water with faith in God, all things are possible. Jesus says, with man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so Jesus came to show us what we were created and how we were created to live. And to restore that back to us. And that's why he says, change the way you think, because the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a new kingdom coming and being restored to you. Now, I drive a hybrid car. And as a hybrid car, I I drive on two power sources, petrol and electric. Human beings are created by God to be hybrid. You have two power sources at your availability. You have your natural power sources that when you eat food, it energizes your body, it provides energy for your mind to function, and you have the energy to do what you can do naturally and you can be very, very, very resourceful doing that. And it's so resourceful that intellectual and knowledge and power and presence and and skill that is put in the human being as we naturally fuel our bodies and we draw on that energy and natural bodies that actually put a man on the moon. That wasn't a supernatural event, it was a natural event. Put a man on the moon, working naturally. But also, we are created by God as spiritual beings. We are made in His image. So we have natural resource and a spiritual resource. And Jesus came to earth to demonstrate what a fully functioning human being can live like. He drew on natural resources. He ate food. And when he didn't eat food or had a busy day and his calorie count, uh, was more than his food intake and his sleep um, count was was more than actually a human being had the ability to cope with. He actually got tired. And on one journey in a boat, it says he was sleeping on the cushion of the boat, sleeping. And there's times when he said he got hungry and he got tired. There's sometimes when he had to go away on his own after he'd been with people all the time and no doubt... He was drained emotionally to one degree or another. They had to go and replenish in the presence of God. And get some alone time. That's what, that's what happens when we're living naturally. But we also know that Jesus, as a human being, who's fully God, drew on a spiritual power. He was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit when he came out of his baptism. He was given power. And it says the power of the Lord was upon him to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was upon him to Do miracles, it says that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, he could see into people's hearts and know what they were thinking, and he could see the heart and their destinies and their future. And he spoke prophetically through not natural means, but through the means of the supernatural means, the means of the Spirit. And Jesus, who is a fully man, relying on the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is God live like this to show you and me that we can draw on the natural but he wants to us to draw on the spiritual source as well and throughout the bible throughout the bible we see this combination moses was a natural man he had a stammer when god visited him and sent him to egypt to speak to pharaoh he says don't send me i've got a stammer i can't speak proper And he says, what's that got to do with it, Moses? I am the creator of heaven and earth. I will be with you. And so Moses, stammering to Pharaoh, performs miracles. He's got a natural source, and he's faltering at that. But drawing on divine power, he performs miracles so convincingly that the Pharaoh let the Israelites go. You have another man And it says in the Bible, Elijah, who was a man like us, in other words, full of frailty and full of fears and full of weaknesses. And yet Elijah called fire down from heaven. He caused bread to be multiplied, he called oil to be multiplied. And he performed miracle after miracle. And he was a man just like us. You go through the Bible. You see miracle after miracle. The Bible is a book of miracles through people. Who are living in the natural and drawing on the spiritual. The, 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 the Jesus... Once they observed how Jesus lived then Jesus sent the disciples out to preach the gospel and heal the sick and they did and then he sent out 72 more preach the gospel, heal the sick. Then when the Holy Spirit came on the early testament church the new testament church they all went out and did this miraculous miraculous stuff. We we read of Stephen who performed miracles and he wasn't a disciple or an apostle as a part of the twelve but he was doing the stuff learning, to be hybrid. And then Jesus says to his disciples, greater things than these things you've seen me do, you will do, because as the Father sent me, I send you to live in a new power and to preach and to proclaim and to heal the sick and to live a miraculous life. So Jesus said to Peter, come and walk on the water, get out of the boat. And he took a giant step into the impossible for humans, but it was possible with God. And you can take steps into the impossibility. You can see the miraculous interventions of God in your life and through your life. You can, and I want to say this, that's why God created you. Human beings were created to live a natural life but to live a life connected to God who is supernatural. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You are made for it. You are made for it. It's the reason why God made you. You can do it. Now, it's not extreme. Let's not be extreme. Jesus walked on water once. Every other time he took the boat. But there was a moment of necessity. He fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. That's two occasions every other time. He went and bought bread from the local shop or got somebody to make it. But there was a moment of necessity. But let me say this. Jesus is more willing than you realize to perform the miraculous in your life and through you if you're willing to step out of the moat and allow his spirit and his example and his word to transform your thinking. Now, one of the keys for this is knowing his word. Peter says, if you are willing, Lord, say the word. And Jesus says, come on, Peter. And, and Peter was eager to hear and grasp and apply to his own life the word of Jesus, the encouragement of Jesus. He was hungry for it. Now, I want to say, if you want to live a miraculous life, be hungry for it. Where well, cultivate a hunger. You know, okay, I have seen... It is thousands of people healed, thousands. But one of the reasons why I really want it, hungry for it. If you're hungry for it, you go out and grab it. If you're hungry, you go and eat. If you're not hungry, you don't. Oh no, I'm not very hungry, I've had enough, I'm not hungry, I don't know. But if you're hungry, I want this. Man cannot live on Bread alone, but every word that proceeds out the word of God. Be hungry for his word. What does he say? Come. He didn't just perform the miracles and the healings in the flesh to demonstrate that he was divine and sent by God. He did it to actually demonstrate what you can do. Follow me. Do as I do. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Greater works than these you will do. That's the extent of it, but you will do them. If you believe in me and do not doubt, there is nothing that's impossible for you. You can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. That's why I'm doing all these miracles, so I can, you can reach your potential. And the reason why God made you, you can walk into. So uh, Peter was very, very eager to follow the example of Jesus and trust in his word. He was eager to walk closer to Jesus by trusting in his word. So I want you to know his word, believe his word, trust it and act on it. And that's when the miracle happens, when you know, believe, trust and act. I've never seen a miracle happen. I've never seen anybody healed without somebody actually saying to somebody, can I pray for you? Can I? So I was in the gym the other day And a man, again, this happens quite often in the gym, because anybody who goes to the gym always picking up injuries. And he he was injured. And I prayed for him there and then. It was a couple of weeks ago. And he got totally healed immediately. And he just said, how does that happen? It wouldn't have happened if he didn't step out the boat. Know his, so there's two things about the word of God know his general word what the Bible teaches an example of Jesus and take it to heart believe it he says uh, don't be anxious don't worry about what you're going to eat what you're going to drink how you are going to pay your bills what you're going to wear don't worry about that father knows, need, knows you need these things you seek first the kingdom of God and everything you need will be provided do you know what I believe that I want you to believe that. I want you to believe it. Put God first. Do what he says. Seek his righteousness. Put God first. Nobody does it perfectly, but with an insincere heart, every day, just seek to do the will of God. Live the way God wants you to live. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and his will in your life and for others. Just do it to the best of your ability. Know his grace covers you when we mess up, when we do it faultingly and failingly but with a sincere heart, do it. So it's not about performance, it's about seeking. Seek to do it, even though we fail. Seek to do it, and you have this promise from God Almighty. If you have a need to do the will of God and live life on earth, and it's a need he will provide for you. I have lived like that all of my adult life, and he has proved faithful. I want you to believe it. So you don't have to live a worried life how God is going to provide for you. I'm not talking about yachts and villas in the south of France. I'm not talking about living a life of luxuries. I'm talking about you don't have to worry about your basic needs when you put God first. Apply his general word into your life. Now, To see more healings, more miracles through your own hands, we need to have confidence in what his word says and apply it to our lives. When we first saw healings uh, happen in our church some nearly 20 years ago now, we've been seeing regular healings for nearly 20 years. uh, One of the key things, I got a friend of mine, Sam, who was in Bible college, to come and teach us. He had a prolific healing uh, ministry, and uh, he taught us and I remember the very first thing he taught us about healing he taught us how it is the will of God and how Jesus died upon the cross for our sin and for our sickness. And when He died upon the cross, he took our sin into his body, but also he took our sickness as well. I mean, let's face it, death is sickness and illness worked out to the very end. That's basically, you know, when we die, we get, di- we die because we've got ill and sick somehow right? That's it. Never get ill and sick. We never die. So when Jesus died, it's not only because he died because of our sin, but he was taking our sickness to the grave. And what did he do when he rose again? He rose again, defeated death. Basically, he broke the power of sickness and decay and illness that that brings death to human beings, and he rose again, victorious over it. And so it says, by his stripes, by his wounds, on the cross, we are healed. We are forgiven through the work of Christ on the cross, and we can be healed through it. So when Sam preached that, and I think it was one Tuesday evening in our church, and then we heard it and believed it, and a whole bunch of people began to get healed. And he was with us, I think, for three nights. And every single night, people got healed. But every night, he taught on the will and the power of God to heal. And I remember Amanda, who was in the building in a wheelchair, and she walked out on her legs. And I remember jumping her jumping over Chloe, who was a little girl at the time, Um, And this is one of the the, the confidence she has for healing miracles. She was colouring in a colouring book, lying on the floor, and she looked up and Amanda's just skipping over her out of her wheelchair. And Chloe now has just finished, handed in her PhD on miraculous healings in Wales in recent times, where she's just documented hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of modern-day miracles through everyday people in churches across Wales. But i tell you where it starts. It starts through believing his word. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. He who seen me has seen the Father. Now this, every time people came up to Jesus and said, will you heal me, Jesus? He said, yes. Ten lepers healed them all. He didn't say, you, 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 not you. Jesus never said no. So what does that do? That gives us a confidence that Jesus can heal and wants to heal. Now it doesn't mean that everybody will heal, but he can and he wants to. Secondly, it's hearing God's word in the moment. In the moment. If it's you, Lord, let me come. And in that moment he heard and he stepped out of the boat. There will be times when you might be praying. There might be times when you're, acting, or with somebody, and you get a sense or a prompting from God to pray for somebody. Pray for people because you understand his general word. Act in obedience on the moment if you hear God speak to you, or you get the sense of, oh, I really ought to do something. Don't rationalize it out of your mind. Act, and you will see increasing miracles. The first healing I ever saw was Sarah and I were invited to speak to some young people um, and they were from a, they were from a kind of a children's home. They were parent parentless youngsters. Many, many, many years ago. This is probably 30, well, more than 30 years ago. We were just, we weren't even, you know, in our early 20s, and I taught about Jesus and how he loved them, could change their lives and give them a great destiny uh, for a, a number of evenings on this retreat. And then the last night, as I finished the, uh, was about to finish the last talk, uh, a young girl uh, who was a diabetic, had taken her insulin and she went into a diabetic coma. Uh, you know, she went unconscious, she was frothing at the mouth, she was fitting, and she was completely out of it. and the the guy said, "Oh, I'd like Julian now to just come and speak." And I thought, "There's no way I'm gonna be able to speak now because there's this girl who's just basically having a f- really having a fit unconsciously right in front of all these kids. I mean, they're not going to pay any attention to me. All their eyes were on her. And as I stood up to to stand up to the pulpit thinking, what am I going to do? I hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit says, you've been talking to these kids how we can change their lives. Heal this girl and demonstrate it. Oh, never done that before. But it was in the moment. And one thing I've learned, and I want to encourage you the same. If you feel you ought, do it. And I said, look, she's your friend. We're going to pray for her. I'm going to pray for God to heal her. When I say amen, you say amen. See what happens. Put my hands on her. I said, Lord, I pray you'll heal this girl. I forget her name now. In Jesus' name. I said amen. All the kids said amen. And as soon as they say amen, she opened her eyes and she was completely healed and sat upright. And I had their attention very, very strongly after that. First miracle I saw. If it's you, Lord, let me come. And he did. And that's how he walked on the water. So I want to encourage you to understand why Jesus came. He came to demonstrate that you can live a miraculous life. He walked on the water to demonstrate that human beings can do impossible things. As we understand these truths from the Word of God and as we listen to the prompts of the Holy Spirit in the moment and step out of the boat, fixing our eyes on Jesus and not allowing the storms of our doubts and our unbelief and circumstance or even the greatness of the problem to rock us of our confidence but fix our eyes on Jesus, we can walk and live in the miraculous. Whether it's a personal situation or something for somebody else, you are called to be a hybrid Christian, living in the natural and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Change the way you think and reach out and take hold of the power of the kingdom of God and you can live a miraculous life. Please stand. If you're, if you're in pain this morning, I said, actually, if you're in pain this morning, please stand. If there's pain in your body, anywhere in your body, please stand. I'm going to pray for you to be healed. If you're online and you've got pain in your body, I want you to put a hand or somewhere where the pain is, if you can. If you can't, don't worry about it. Pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, please heal me now. And I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray that right now you will release your healing power in the name of Jesus Christ into these people's bodies I command in the authority of Jesus shoulder pain and neck pain to go at once in Jesus name I command knee pain to go cartilage pain to be removed ligaments to be restored I command arms and shoulders and elbows and lower back pain to go wrist pain in Jesus name Somebody with an ankle and they in pain as they walk on their ankle, whether it's in the room or at home, in Jesus' name receive your healing, in Jesus' name. People who've got pain in their joints, in their hands, all that pain go now, in Jesus' name, and receive mobility without pain. Be healed in the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, move it and see if there's any better. And if it's any better, you can let me know. And if you've been healed online, why don't you send us an email and we'll be encouraged. God bless you. Take care. Have a great rest of the day.